Good morning, church. It's good to see you this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says that when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away, I put aside childish things. One of the marks of a child is that they operate in the present. They operate in the here and now. They have an inability to think but so far ahead. A baby is not thinking about tomorrow. A, a, a baby thinks about right now, actually thinking about tomorrow, thinking about the future is a skill that is learned over time, and it gets developed with maturity. This morning, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 6. I'll be reading out of the CSB, Galatians chapter 6 starting in verse 6. Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? It reads this way. Let the one who is taught the Word share all his good things with the teacher. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good. For we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this word. On this day. We thank you for what this day represents. At the end of each day, as we go minute by minute and hour by hour, we can declare you have been faithful. For th there are times uh, like today at the end of the year where we can just think about all that you have brought us through in this past year and how you kept us. And we have an assurance that you're going to keep on keeping us. You are a good God, like we just sang. And your love for your children is everlasting. So we come this day needing to be nourished, needing to be filled, needing to be changed, and as we come, we have an anticipation that these things will be done. 
You're doing a work, Lord. We know it because we're experiencing it. So we lay this day before you and say, have your way. We approach it with great joy and anticipation because you are a good God. And for that, we will be ever grateful. So we thank you. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The title of this morning's sermon is, This Leads to That. When, when New Year's starts, people often renew their commitments, and uh, they make resolutions. That's why uh, we see a rise of diet commercials uh, when the new year approaches. Uh, that's why we see gym membership go up at the beginning of the year, because there's a sense that we all know that, that doing this leads to that. If, if I do X, Y will be the outcome. Uh, it, it's a, a, a matter of sequencing. And, and, and sometimes with certain things we do that well, and other times not so well. Well, this principle uh, is the principle of sowing and reaping. We harvest what we plant. We harvest what we plant. It is cause and effect. If you do this, you will get that. The world operates under the law of cause and effect. There's no way around it. Every time we choose an action, we also choose a consequence of that action. I used to say uh, to my kids all the time, hey, whatever you choose to do, especially things you know you shouldn't do, think of the worst possible consequence that can take place. And if you're willing to pay that price, then go on and do it. Or often what we do in the sowing and reaping is we know we shouldn't do this, but we don't expect to reap like that over there. And then often we also sow certain seeds uh, and we could do it sparingly and think we're supposed to reap this great harvest. It, it doesn't work uh, either one of those ways. This principle has deep significance. It has deep significance and it has wide application. We see it plainly working in human affairs. We, we operate in this all the time. The consequences of certain conduct has a known cause that will follow. We study so we get a good grade. Found throughout Scripture, the idea of sowing and reaping is an important principle imparting wisdom for both this world and the next. So we started reading Galatians 6.6, 6, and it said, Let the one who is taught the word share all his good things with the teacher. 
in the Amplified Version, it reads, the one who is taught the word of God is to share all good things with his teacher, contributing to his spiritual and material support. So the first thing I want to do is just thank so many in the church for gifts and for cards and for your prayers. There are just so many that blessed us in that way. My family personally and I saw other people exchanging gifts with one another. What a beautiful thing, because just the gesture behind that, no matter what it is, is to say, hey, I love you. I appreciate you. I care about you. I see what you're doing. And that is um, a beautiful thing. But here, Paul brings this up because it, it appears that the Galatians were being stingy with their contributions for the support of their Christian leaders. So Paul starts to lay out this principle of sowing and reaping. He that sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he that sows plentifully will reap plentifully. Little obedience, because it doesn't only work with like material things, little obedience will produce little reward. We reap proportionate to what we sow. That, that, that's just the way it is. The rule is, the more seed I put down on the ground, uh, the more fruit that's going to be harvested. The Bible applies this law even to our giving. Those that show generosity, they will be blessed. And those that don't, will limit their blessing. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And this is, is not only um, a principle uh, for the amount that you give, but it's also the motivation in which you give. And, and in other words, God knows everything. So if you think, well, if I give, then I'm going to get this amount, that's the wrong idea. Right? It's being a participant um, in what God is doing. And the way we prayed, like Pastor Angelo said, it is acknowledging, no, everything that I have comes from God. I remember a conflict that I had with my son, and it blew up. He was about, I don't know, 10 or 11, and um, he likes popcorn. And he went and got popcorn. You know, when I was a kid, we, we, you know, we didn't like have a lot of stuff like that, but I remember we used to use the, the Jiffy. You shake it on the stove, remember, and like blow up, and it was aluminum foil. Some of the kids are like, what is he talking about? But now, right, you take popcorn, you put it in the microwave, you have this bag of popcorn. So he goes and he gets this bag of popcorn, which is fine. He has autonomy to be able to do that. And he comes with the popcorn, it's hot, I could smell the butter, and I'm like, let me get some popcorn. And he says, I don't want to give you any popcorn. That's my popcorn. That's my floor you're standing on. 
this is, this is my house. Like, I bought this stuff. So him not wanting to give me some popcorn was more of a violation even than if he didn't want to share with, like, say, his brother. Because he forgot where that popcorn came from. He even went as far to say, when I grow up, I'm not going to have to take this anymore because I'm about to be a black belt and I'm about to get to the level of, and I said, hold on, buddy. Just thinking that way, I pay for your karate lessons. What you're in fact telling me is that I'm paying for one day you to step to me and beat me down. <laughs> so, so, so I want you to, to catch what's going on here. Everything belongs to God. So, so it's not so much, um, oh, I have to give this to him. It's an understanding that is his, that your very next breath is his, that everything belongs to him. Think about the woman who came with the two mites, and Jesus saw it, and he said she gave the most, but she gave out of her need. She gave everything that she had. That was because she was showing her devotion and love for God on top of her trust in God. I can give this to God because I'm an old lady and I've never not had or I wouldn't be standing here today. He's going to take care of me even if I give my last. That's a disposition. The text continues, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. You cannot fool God. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Do not be deceived. Man is both deceitful and deceived. Man is both deceitful and deceived. And in being so, it is hard for man to be undeceived. It's, it's hard to be undeceived because we're deceitful, because we deceive, because we are deceived, and we know we've deceived others. Now, we don't even know who to listen to, so it becomes hard to be undeceived because whatever we're hearing, our first question is like, is that true? What is that person's motivation? Well, that can only come from, you know, sometimes you have done and said things that are not true, and your motivations were less than pure. This is something that we all suffer with. This saying here is, do not be deceived. We um, are both deceived 
and deceitful, we also have an enemy that deceives. We also have everything around us that is deceitful. Riches are deceitful. Favor is deceitful. Our own hearts are deceitful. Sin is deceitful. Consider some of the the instances of us uh, having to deal with this. We are sometimes even deceived about the character of God. Just think about that for a minute. That's why this is saying, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. We are also much deceived about people. We, we, we even call the proud happy. And, and we regard the poor as miserable. We uh, despise those sometimes that God honors. And we applaud and exalt those whom he has condemned. The only reason why superstars are rich is because they've been elevated and viewed as people that everyone holds in honor and celebrates. That's where that money comes from. But in all deceitfulness, the most dangerous part is the capacity to deceive ourselves. That's why this text is saying, do not be deceived. Don't fool yourself. God is not mocked. And it is surrounded around our capacity to sin. We don't even realize the depth of our capacity to sin. We think, oh, but I wouldn't go that far. You just have not had the opportunity to go that far. We think very well of ourselves, even in justifying our own wrong. That's self-deception, and that's very dangerous, and there is a great danger in being deceived. It says our heart is deceitful above all things. We, um, we reason um, that our sin, what we do, is not that bad. And then what we do on top of that is we indulge sin and engage in it And we think, and this is where God is not mocked, that we're going to escape punishment if we just continue to live that way. Even for God's children, we may not face punishment. We will be disciplined. We will face consequence for things that we do. Remember what we're talking about. We're talking about the principle of reaping and sowing. 
We think and others think like we're good as God's children, but others think I'm going to live any way I want, not serve God, yet I'm going to arrive in heaven one day. When, 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 when they rise up in the morning, they go through their day. When we're going through our day, you're sowing seeds. You're sowing seeds of one kind or another. You, you, you rise up without God, without Christ, and you go and you wrong people, you have wrong motives, backbiting, and all these other things. What are you sowing? When you rise up in the morning and your first thoughts are consecrated to the Lord, as you approach your family, as you approach other people that you interact with, and there is a gentleness and a justice and an uprightness and a generosity, what seeds are you sowing? You see, the, the harvest that you will reap when you sow those kind of seeds are in this world and in the world to come. There is not only physical sowing and reaping. We, we just read that, that this law applies to spiritual sowing and reaping. The text says, because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Plainly asserted that our conduct is shaping our faith. That our conduct is shaping our faith. What you do says something about your future and dictates your future. When we're talking about sowing, we're not farmers. Well, somebody in here may be a farmer. Most of us are not farmers. What, what are these seeds that we're talking about? We're talking about our thoughts. We're talking about feelings. We're talking about like our purposes, like what we do, our plans, those things that we imagine that we want to do, our words, right? We're talking about our actions. These are all seeds as we are always thinking, we're always feeling, we're always purposing, we're always planning, we're always speaking, we're always acting, like always, unless you're asleep. That means that we're always sowing, and we're sowing into eternity, which is the harvest time for the soul. All that we're doing, all the time, we're sowing into and for eternity, which is the harvest time for the soul. Think of the millions of thoughts and feelings and words and actions that entered into history this year in your life. Seeds sown. These seeds, they have a, a moral 
character. Uh, they have a moral bearing and are being sold, sown for eternity. We simply reap what our sowing has produced for us. I, I, I find it amazing that there are certain people that you speak to that every single condition that they're under is someone else's or some other thing's fault. It's never looking introspectively to these are the consequences of my thoughts, of my feelings, of my actions, of my speaking, of my behavior. No, it's me, right? Like we all grow up under circumstances that are outside of our control. With that said, a whole lot of what we are presently living has very much to do with sowing and reaping. Not what my mama did. Not that my daddy didn't come home and take me to baseball. No, it's now. It's what I've done this past year uh, has some bearing on where I am right now today. The parts we can't control we can't control. The parts that we can control and we have some say and our choices dictate what happens and what is in our tomorrows, oh, we need to acknowledge that. And, and if we haven't been, we better start doing it from this point on. Sowing to the flesh, produces its own natural harvest. Corruption. That's what we just read. When the grave opens, all is lost. It's, it's gone. Even before the grave opens, these things that we are sowing to the flesh, they um, have a tendency to be stolen at times. They uh, can uh, become rusty and outdated. Uh, they uh, can be destroyed by moths. I don't know if you've ever been attacked by moths. I'm not like talking about like the movie The Birds You Running and all these moths attacking you. I'm saying, like, you go and take out a piece of clothing, and you're like, where do these little holes come from? Like, I've had that happen. And, like, it was, the stuff was just all messed up. And it's either, you know, you could, like, certain things, or it just, like, sew this up. You got to put, like, cedar in your closet and, and all of that stuff. Uh, none of this stuff lasts. So when we're talking about sowing to the flesh, it's, it's those things that this is not going to have any value, but it's more than that. It, it is also the soul itself. It, it gets corrupted by such a life because um, this is the outcome of making a science of sinning. 
Like, we have a tendency to do that. We're going to be real slick and covert about our sinning, especially certain sins. That's why the text is saying, hey, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Hey, you can fool me. You, you ain't going to fool God, and you're not going to avoid this principle of sowing and reaping. You're not going to get over. You could blind your, fold yourself and walk across the street and not get mowed down by a car. Maybe you're going to make it. But that's not going to be like a continual way of going about things, and there's not going to be a consequence. And, and, and that's what happens. Sometimes we don't, full, we don't get the full brunt of a consequence, so then we think, hey, I can operate this way. And then sometimes, and this happens often for the Christian, I remember seasons of this in my life. I do like a little thing, already saved, and I get like the worst consequence. And I'm like, really, God? That's a grace. That's God's mercy. That's, hey, child, I'm paying attention. I don't want you going down that road because if I allow you to keep going further and further and further down that road, when it does catch up to you, it's going to be worse. But sowing to the Spirit, it uh, produces its own harvest as well. And that harvest is eternal life. We just read a song that God's love is everlasting. Do you recognize that because of sin, we're not even understanding how much we're loved and we're not fully seeing it, and it's going to continue to unfold in our history with the Lord just how much he loves us. When we don't have these distortions anymore, and it's just bare, plain, and we see the love of God, we're already experiencing it. It's going to be multiplied out. Not that he's going to love us more. He loves us completely. But, but the way we'll be... You know how, like... Kids don't realize how much they parent really forbear with them and love with them until they have their own kid. That, that's when they come back with, you know, um, sorry. They, they start to understand. Their parent doesn't love them more now than they did. No, they came to a realization. Oh, I was just being so loved. Imagine when we come to the realization of how much God truly loves us. Even um, these things of God's love for us, we have to recognize that um, our connection with the invisible and eternal world is more close and intimate than we generally feel. In other words, this sowing and reaping and all of these things that we're going through continually does really have an eternal 
effect. Everything connects us with eternity. We're not just like traveling to eternity, but we're already in eternity. To understand that is important because we make this great separation from like over here to over there. And, And yes, there are parts of that that we have not experienced and we'll see. But this is a continuum. This is a we're in God's love and what we do matters and is going to keep on mattering. If that's a word, but you know what I mean. The spiritual harvest is important. One, recognize that every single person is a sower. That the seed sown depends on a person's choices. That's the text we just read. And that the sower, that the sower, that the sower becomes the reaper. Oh, it's, it's, it, it's going to manifest itself. Like, it's going to matter the seeds that you have sown. It matters in the here and now, and it matters in eternity. And um, you know what? It has a direct correspondence to the harvest. It will be the ex- direct correspondent to the seed that you've sown. Don't look for apples if you planted an orange tree. It's not going to happen. The text tells us, let us not get tired of doing good. For we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Because you think that your harvest is delayed does not make it any less certain that that harvest is going to come to pass. It has to. You know, um, in respect of time, that's something that, like, we can find by. Not God in any shape, form, or fashion. We have sown seeds that we forgot about. Just because you forgot you've sown those seeds, that does not mean that it's not going to reap a harvest. That could be good, and that could be bad. What seeds are you sowing? So whatever seeds you were like sowing yesterday, they're already sown. What this is about, hey, I'm at the end of this year. What seeds do I want to sow? Well, there's a direct correlation to what kind of harvest would I like to see produced? And knowing that sowing and reaping implies waiting. Nothing good grows overnight. One of the biggest problems we have is desiring instant gratification. 
Nothing good grows overnight. The farmer has to be patient and wait in order to see the fruits of his labor. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Not only that, we want a continual harvest. So we need to be continually sowing seeds even as we're reaping the benefits of seeds already sown. This is a length of time, but it's in God's time. Verse 10 says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all especially for those who belong to the household of faith. You can come up, worship team. Does any person believe that he shall lose by his charity? And in, in other words, sometimes, and I get this way too, sometimes we're just like, you know what? Nobody cares. I'm just going to give up. Does anyone believe that by doing good, you're going to take a loss? When a person sows a seed in the ground, there is an expectancy that he is going to receive a harvest. So if you trust the ground, how can you not trust our God? Reaping and sowing is in our personal lives. It's in our families. It's in our relationships. It's in our work lives. That's why the Bible says, hey, like, you know, you don't have to get married because once you get married, you're responsible for this and still being a child of God. If you refrain from being married, you can just solely be unto the Lord. So that means that once we decide to have all of these other relationships, which are good and holy and god Sanctions, we have a balance. Like, yes, I am about kingdom business, but I also do my chores at home. Yes, I am about kingdom business, but I'm not going to neglect my wife and my daughter. They're my first ministry. So when we're sowing and reaping, it has implications in every single part of our lives. Even reaping and sowing in the church. Church, like any other organization, has a start. It has stages. It has reaping and sowing. So, so this year, you know what we want to reap? For this church, unity. Unity is very important. What did we reap from last year? Abundance. 
The Bible tells us if you want to gain your life, then you lose it. You, you, you know what that means? That abundance is not always something that you can visually say, this is quantitative. Like, like I don't personally have more money this year than I had last year on New Year's Eve. But when I think about the abundance of this past year, actually, when I think about that stack that still sits on my desk that I go through and pray on the sheets that we filled out last year about what are you praying for this year, the number one top thing was, God, I want to know you more. I was so blessed on Thanksgiving testimony service where many people said, I have grown in the Lord. God has been abundantly good to me, to our church, to our church family this year. I've had hard days. I've had days where I wanted to quit. But God keeps us, and he keeps on keeping us. And I know this, I'm not the same man that stood here December 31st uh, of last year. And I pray that you can say that about yourself as well. That's something to be thankful for. Let me tell you something. As we're going into this new year, you don't need to be stronger. You don't need to be better. What you need is more grace. What you need is to be closer to the Lord. God does not go out and search for capable and equipped men and women. He makes them. He makes them. And usually what he uses is the weakest, is the slowest, is the reject. My, my daughter just asked me a question about sports when I was a kid, and I was like, mm, Gloria, I wasn't that good at sports. So you know when, like, you picking everybody on the team, or what? like, I was that guy, like, hope it's an even number here so I could be on somebody's team. That's not how God goes about what he picks. We have so many things that we desire for this year to come. One of the things that we want to do besides just having a place of unity, that's why I'm so excited for the calendar that we just laid out for the things that we're going to be doing in our fellowship time on Sundays after church. But we want to expand the worship team. So if you're a musician or a singer and you are set apart and love the Lord and are looking to live holy, come and audition. Like, know how to sing. Know how to play an instrument. But come. There's so many areas in the church that God is doing a work in. And as the body, we need to build her up so that he would use her for this community, for his glory, 
for our benefit, all of ours. Sowing and, and reaping is a metaphor used for death and resurrection. When Paul discusses the doctrine of the resurrection of the body, he uses the analogy of planting seeds to illustrate physical death. And in 1 Corinthians 15, he says this, so is with the resurrection of the dead, sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown in a natural body, raised in a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, then there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last man, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. The spirit is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. Like the man of dust, so that those who are of dust, like the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. That's us, family. And just as we were born the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. Would you stand, church? Oh, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. Lord, we want to first acknowledge your faithfulness through this last year, how faithful you have been. You've been faithful on the days we haven't been faithful. You've been awake watching over us because you never sleep nor slumber while we were unaware. You have kept us and you have been abundantly good to each and every one of us, Lord. Not a prayer that we have prayed has an expiration date. There are still things that we are waiting for. But in your perfect timing, they will come to pass, those things that are your will. And what this does for us, it gives us a hope and an expectation in our tomorrow's Lord. So not only do we want to give you thanksgiving for yesterday, we want to give you praise for tomorrow, Lord. You have been good. You are a good God. And because we can declare that you are a good God, we trust you, Lord. We serve you because you are good. We serve you because you've opened our eyes. We serve you because you've opened our hearts. You've changed it, Lord. You've taken out that stony heart. You replaced it with a heart of flesh, Lord. Oh, Lord, you gave your son as a gift, as an offering, as a lamb. For our sins. So that you would have a church that has neither spot nor wrinkle, Lord. We are your people and we are your church, Lord. And you've done a work in us, Lord. So we look forward to our tomorrows and what you're going to do. 
Oh, Lord, we declare your faithfulness, your holiness, your goodness, your omnipotence, Lord, your sovereignty over all things. So we are excited, Lord. And we have a confidence, and we are sure of this thing that you who started a good work in us will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. <laughs> Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous works. Blessed be his glorious name forever. The whole world is filled with his glory. Amen and amen.